0: Luke chapter 2, please, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Thank you, Mrs. Powell and Miss Powell, and y'all too. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, we come this morning to our final song in the song of Christmas, Simeon's song, Luke chapter 2, our scripture reading will be verses 22 through 35. This is God's holy, inerrant, and authoritative word to us this morning. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem, that is, Jesus, to present him to the Lord as is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms, and he blessed God, and he said, or he sang, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God that pierces through hearts, actions, minds, and divides the heart. And Lord, would you pierce us through to our souls now as we read and study your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm sure you've heard week after week, but I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love the celebration, the joy, the decorating, the nostalgia, the memories. I'm sure all of you have them too. But one of the things I love the most about Christmas is decorating. Over the years, I've had to temper myself from not buying up all the blow-ups on sale at Lowe's. But one of the things we love in our home, and we have probably four or five sets of them, is those manger scenes. I love the manger scenes. The manger scenes explain just the humble and glorious beginnings of our Lord. We look at these manger scenes and they're a great opportunity to to talk about the Christmas story, to remember, to reflect, to worship. Our children love to carry these little figurines around and We may or may not have a few angels with broken wings, but that's okay. We still love to carry them around and talk about them. But these manger scenes, they don't always tell the whole story, do they? There was so much going on in Bethlehem at that time. There's so much more to the Christmas story, and there's even many other people about Christmas that don't make it into our manger scenes. Who are some of these... Famous characters of the Christmas story that we always remember, the shepherds, the wise men who were probably a little later after Jesus' birth, but we'll talk about that later. Joseph, Mary, the baby Jesus, the angels, all of these glorious characters of Christmas. But what about Simeon? What about Simeon? Anybody heard of old Simeon? Well, he's one of the little-known figures about Christmas that we read here in his song, Simeon's song. He has not made it into many manger scenes, last I checked. (laughs) There's very little known about him. This is the only place in the Bible we read about him and know about him. I saw one children's book one time that mentioned Simeon, and I was like, look at that. Look at there, he made it into one Christmas story. But Simeon is a very central figure to the the birth of Christ, according to Luke. Remember, Luke is intimately jotting down details about the Christmas story and all the events that surrounded Christ's birth. And he mentions here Simeon. And so Mary and Joseph, being the devout Jews that they were, they went up to Jerusalem. They traveled with young Jesus here to the temple to make a purification offering, a ritual offering that was normal for the Jews. It was part of their custom, part of their worship. And so Mary and Joseph were following through to offer a sacrifice for their purification. And while they were there in Jerusalem, they had the encounter with this most intriguing man, Simeon. Most scholars believe that Luke probably got his information from Mary. As again, he was probably interviewing her. Tell me everything that happened, Mary, surrounding the birth of your son. And so I imagine her saying, you know, and there was this man who just came up to us at the temple. And I remember his name is Simeon. And I'll never, ever forget the words that he saying to us regarding our son. You can imagine her telling Luke about this and the events surrounding Jesus' birth. This wonderful, spirit-filled man came and picked up our child and recited the most glorious blessing that could ever be given to a child. And those were the words from Simeon's song. What do we know about Simeon? We actually know a little bit about his character here from these verses. We read that he was righteous. The word here for righteous means that he was well respected among his fellow Jews. Everyone knew he was a righteous man. He did what was right. He was an honorable man. But he was also devout, it says. He was righteous and devout. Simeon was a godly man. He was known for his godliness, for his love of the Lord, for his devotion to the Lord. He loved God. And this is really a remarkable statement to say about someone, because at this time we know that this wasn't exactly the height of religion in Israel. Remember, there were 400 years of silence, no word from any prophets until Jesus was born and John the Baptist came on the scene. And so for one to be known as righteous and devout, one to be known waiting for the consolation of Israel, he was a well-known man, righteous and devout. Oh, that that would be said about God's people. You know, what are Christians known for these days? Too often we're known for what we're against. But what about what we're for? What about being righteous and devout, devoted to the Lord? Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And as I said before, imagine almost 400 years of silence, no word from God the Father, no word from Yahweh, nothing. Not a prophet, not an oracle, nothing. And Simeon was one of those who was waiting to hear from God. He was one who lived with great anticipation and expectation that God is going to fulfill what he promised to Israel, and he was also going to fulfill what he had promised to Simeon. Simeon being a spirit-filled man, the Lord revealed to him that his eyes would literally see God's salvation come to pass. And so he lived with great anticipation. Simeon's hope was probably found in these verses from Isaiah Isaiah prophesied many times that Yahweh God would come and he would comfort his people. He would would save them. And so Simeon was a a sentinel. He was looking out. He was anticipating. He was awaiting God's salvation to come and to point to Christ when he came. The Holy Spirit was upon him. He was a spirit-filled man. He walked with the Spirit. God's presence filled his life in a miraculous way when the Spirit had not yet been fully given. Jesus had not ascended into heaven at this time and given his Spirit to the church. And yet here we find God's special presence resting upon Simeon in a powerful way. He was a Spirit-filled man. And Simeon's testimony is that God never leaves his people without a witness. God never leaves his people without a witness, someone to cry out and sing about Christmas. And the most incredible, the most miraculous thing about Simeon is what happened when he encountered the young Jesus in the temple. When he saw Jesus with his parents, when they walked into the temple courts, he knew right away. The Spirit revealed to him immediately that this child was the Messiah. And so could you imagine being Mary and Joseph, a strange man, come up and take up your child, (laughs) hold him in the air, and proclaim that he is the Messiah, that he's the salvation that has come to Israel. And the only thing that Simeon could do, the only popular and proper response to Christmas, was he sang. He sang... What we know popularly from the Latin phrase "The Nuc dementis," the fourth song in our songs of Christmas. And so in verses 29 through 32, there are three wonderful truths about Christmas that we learn from Simeon's song. The first is "Christmas is salvation," the second is "Christmas is light," and the third is "Christmas is glory." Christmas is salvation, Christmas is light, Christmas is glory. The first, Simeon sang in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon proclaimed that he had seen and that he had held salvation. The word salvation is a very, 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 very important word, especially in the scriptures. But to an unbelieving world, when the church proclaims that we all need salvation, the question naturally arises, salvation from what? What are you talking about? What do I need to be saved from? You may remember the Christmas story earlier when the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. And the angel told him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because she is going to conceive a son, and you will be his earthly father, and this son of yours would save people from their sins. I mean, how about that promise? You're going to have a son, and he's going to save people from their sins. The Bible makes it clear to us that sin is a big problem. Sin is is the plight of the world. Sin separates us from God. Original sin dwells in all of us. Sin is disobedience to God. It's not following His revealed will for your lives. Sin separates us from God. As Romans 6.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the Bible teaches us that sin brings death and condemnation to all people. And because of this bad news about sin, we need to be rescued. We need to be saved. We need salvation. Christmas brings salvation through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about salvation. The Greek word, for the word salvation used here is soterion. And this Greek word soterion is important for us to understand as it means one fitted to save. One, a person who is able to save. And this is a very interesting statement of belief from Simeon When he held the child Jesus and he proclaimed that he was salvation. Because Simeon was proclaiming what we now know to be true. That salvation had come in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Simeon was not just looking and holding someone who would show the way to salvation. Simeon was holding salvation in the flesh. Simeon's song proclaims to us that Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is the great joy of Christmas because he has saved us from our sins. He has brought us into the light, as we will learn about here in a minute. He has brought us into the wonderful kingdom that has no end. Jesus is is the Savior. He is salvation. He is Christ the Lord. And so I ask you this morning, have you experienced Christmas salvation? Have you been rescued? Have you been saved from your sin? If you have not, then I encourage you to look to the Christmas message. Salvation is, is not a philosophy. Salvation is not, here's a good way to live or here's a good path to follow. Salvation is a person. Salvation is the person who is fully God and fully man, the Lord Jesus Christ who was born to die. He was born to save us from our sins. As the pastor R. Kent Hughes says, the baby Jesus was and is God's salvation. Salvation shall come through no other than the person Jesus Christ the Lord. Simeon held salvation and proclaimed. Christ to be salvation. Christmas is salvation, but Christmas is also light. Christmas brings light. Think about it. One of our favorite things to do as a family is drive around and look at Christmas lights. I mean, some of these people must start in like August. I mean, it is amazing. And I also want to figure out how much money do you have to save to get all these lights up on your house? It looks amazing. We love looking at Christmas lights. But it is certainly a reminder to us that the light of Christmas is light for the whole world. It is light for revelation to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews, Simeon proclaims. Christmas is for us. And that's what Simeon means when he says, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. I got news for everyone in here. I think I know everyone in here. You're a Gentile. (laughs) You are not a Jew. You are not the chosen nation of God whom he set his promises on. We are all living proof that Christmas is light, and that it has come to the Gentiles. Luke's Christmas story takes us deeper and deeper into the meaning of Christ's birth as we progress through each song. So here we see Simeon's song, as recorded by Luke, teaches us that the gospel is, is global. The light has reached the whole world. Remember the promise to Abraham. Way back in Genesis 18, God promised to Abraham, you will be a blessing to all the nations. How was God going to do that? How was he going to bless all the nations through Abraham? The Sunday school answer is Jesus. He was going to do it through Jesus the salvation that God had provided through Jesus Christ is a light for all peoples for Jews and for Gentiles for all of us And so that is what this world needs more of light the light of the gospel to fill the land light implies that there's darkness darkness and we need to wake up and realize that we live in a dark, Dark world. We cannot simply go on denying evil and blaming it on any number of things that you can think of the economy, the government, whatever. We live in an evil world. And from the time that Jesus showed up on the scene where King Herod was having innocent children slaughtered because of his jealousy to the recent tragedies in Paris and California, we live in a dark, dark world. The world seems to be getting darker all the time. The world is covered in darkness. But Jesus has come as a light. He has come as a light to overcome the darkness. He's come as a light to shine salvation into the whole world. Christmas brings light. Light. Between Christmas and Easter, we have the beautiful light rays of the gospel shining forth into the world and making the wondrous love of God known. Christmas truly is the most wonderful time of the year because the light has overcome the darkness. Look at our scripture reading from the Old Testament in your bulletins in Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For here's the state of the world. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. His light will break forth like the dawn and shine on this world. And so I ask you this morning, are you you living in the darkness? Does the world seem hopelessly dark to you? Do you feel like in your own personal life that everywhere you turn, everywhere you walk, there's darkness, there's this haze, there's this cloudiness haunting you? Because if you do not know the Son of God, then you will be plunged into a hopeless and awful darkness. If you're relying upon your own intellect, upon your own willpower, your own reason, your own wisdom to lead your life and to give you hope, then you are blind, you are believing a lie, and you are, in fact, walking in the darkness. There is no light. But the message of Christmas is this. Jesus is the light. And Jesus has overcome the darkness and so we turn and we look to the light of the world Jesus go to the light Jesus Finally we see from singing a song that Christmas is glory Christmas is glory a light of revelation to the gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel We often throw around that word glory and we never give it a single fault What does glory mean glory means High renowned, glory means magnificence, great beauty. And here Simeon proclaims that Jesus would be the glory for all of God's people. He would be the glory of Israel. In Exodus, we recall, you may recall that Shekinah glory that followed God's people around, that cloud of, 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 of fire and smoke or that pillar of fire by night. It was called the Shekinah glory, the glory cloud that was the physical manifestation of God's presence among his people. And so how would Jesus' arrival be the glory to the people? God has specifically chosen to bring forth his son, Jesus, through Israel through his people, for their glory. And so we look back through the scriptures, we see that Israel was God's chosen people, but that through them, the chosen people, they were to be a blessing to all of the nations. All people would be blessed. And so now Simeon proclaims that the glory of God's people has come because they have received the great promises, but now they are the ones God was going to bring the greatest Christmas gift the world has ever seen. Jesus Christ in the flesh the Messiah and so glory has come down at Christmas time and has given God's people hope and glory and Jesus is that glory Christmas is glory the glorious beauty of God in Jesus Christ has come to us Christmas glory and so what will be our response today to christmas salvation to christmas light to christmas glory how will we respond well may our response be the same as that of mary and joseph look in verse 33 again imagine this strange man whom you don't know coming and taking your son up in his arms And singing like this to to you. And making these promises. And and Jesus' father and mother, that's Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about him. They marveled. They marveled. What does it mean to marvel? It means to be filled with wonder and astonishment. It means to be utterly amazed. And so how do we do this? How do we marvel at the Christmas message? Tonight we'll have a special treat. as One of our grandfathers will read a story to our children. And the story is called The Song of the Stars, written by Sally Lloyd-Jones. It's a Christmas story. And in this story, she surmises what all the peoples and all the animals would do at the birth of Christ. And they marveled and they said this, the one who made us has come to live with us. Think about that. The one who made us has come to live with us. Christmas should cause us to marvel. Christmas should cause us to marvel. We marvel because God's wonderful plan of salvation has come to us in the Christmas message. We marvel because Jesus has illuminated the darkness. He has pierced it through. We marvel because the second person of the Godhead was born. He became a man and he died to save us from our sins. We marvel at the gospel. We marvel. We sing, what child is this? The one whom shepherds guard, the one whom angels sing about, what child is this? This is Christ the King. Come, let us adore him. Let us marvel. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, let us not forget that wonderful message of Christmas, that a Savior was born. Christ, the newborn King, God made flesh. And because through the one man, Adam, all sinned, all have become sinners and fall short of your glory... So salvation must come through a man. So We thank you that Jesus was born, born to die, born so that we no more may die. Father, help us to remember simply that Jesus Christ was born to save us from our sins. We thank you and we praise you for that wonderful Christmas message.